Welcome to On Campus on this Tuesday afternoon, where we go inside your college campus and get insight from you, the fans. I'm your host, Jerry McMahon. Well, I hope y'all had a better Saturday than BYU and Michigan State fans. Let's just say, first off, college game day at App State was electric. Everything from the fans, the signs, some of the App State college students getting free tuition from the signs. You know, even the Chancellor of App State was getting into it. This is what college football is about, and this is why game day should go to more college towns instead of the same blue bloods that are on every year. Also, how about Kansas football being 3-0? This is something I never thought that I would be alive to see happen, but Lance Leipold has done a fantastic job in Lawrence and created a successful winning culture. Kirk, Dez, Reese, Coach Corso, if you're out there, please go to Lawrence next week for game day. It's not like that there's many other great games on the slate for next week. And you've already seen the benefit of going to college towns and for teams that don't have game day. They really get into it, and it'd be a lot better experience than going to an Alabama or a Georgia. But anyways, enough about college game day. Let's get into our week three recap. So first off, uh, we're going to talk a little SEC-ACC matchup, and that is Miami at A&M. Tyler Van Dyke and the Miami wide receivers, they really just couldn't get on the same page throughout the night in College Station. Miami's offense moved the ball well, but they really couldn't convert in the red zone. What's the most concerning, though, is that Mario Cristobal didn't go for touchdowns, but instead took the points instead, especially when they were down by double digits in the fourth quarter. The college football world has already seen what playing conservative will do for you with Notre Dame's JUCO offense. A&M's defense has held strong throughout the game, despite losing four starters to suspension and injury, including second-leading wide receiver Evan Smith, a talented five-star. Jimbo's play calling still has several kinks to work out, but it was enough to get a win, and in the SEC, survive and advance is the name of the game. Just look at Arkansas. They're a team that barely beat Missouri State on Saturday, but they're still 3-0 headed into the matchup with A&M this week. But, he need, but bottom line, Jimbo Fisher needs to stop rotating between Max Johnson and Hayes King. I personally think he should start Johnson next week in Arlington, but both teams are still looking all right for the most part. But had A&M lost Saturday night, it would have, been, it would have spelled the end of Aggie football and this big recruiting run that they've had. Moving on to a what I thought was a very, very disappointing former Big 8 matchup on the Plains in Nebraska. Uh, OU at Nebraska. God, just a complete, absolute disaster for Nebraska. I mean, a high school team could have played better than what Nebraska did in Lincoln. I really thought that Nebraska had a shot to do something this year with the transfers and Casey Thompson, but they clearly lack leadership in the coaching staff. Also, if you watch the... If you go back and watch that game, the offensive line did not give Casey Thompson any time at all to get a pass off. You know, Mickey Joseph, he's trying and I feel for him. But honestly, Nick Saban couldn't even save Nebraska football right now. That's how bad of a state that they're in. Oklahoma, on the other hand, looked like a New Year's Six contender. Offense, defense, and special teams all executed to perfection. Although they do play a Kansas State team Saturday that has given them trouble in the past, and Deuce Vaughn is no joke. Moving on to what I thought was a fun Friday night game, uh, Florida State at Louisville. Uh, this, this game it came out of cons for Florida State, as quarterback Jordan Travis was injured midway through the second half. But it, was mainly Johnny, but it was mainly the Johnny Wilson show at Cardinal Stadium. Seven catches for 149 yards and two touchdowns. What I like, though, from Florida State is that they didn't quit when they got injury plagued. They kept going. In the past, and especially at a tough environment such as Cardinal Stadium, they would have gone downhill and not been able to compete. Everybody remembers that Notre Dame game last year where they started red hot, but once Mackenzie Milton got injured again, it went out of hand. Florida State looks to be on the right path, and Mike Norvell should have some job security going his way if this season pans out how I think it will. Louisville will still have a great season, especially if they can get that offensive line behind Malik Cunningham, 
The main concern for Louisville is this, is this ability to finish ball games. They couldn't close the deal at UCF, and they couldn't close the deal at home against Florida State. Both of the running backs for Louisville did a great job last week, over 160 yards rushing combined. But bottom line, the ability to finish games and clock management is key for Louisville going forward. And another game we're going to talk about, a uh, group of five team, because, you know, got to show the group of five some love, is SMU at Maryland. You know, this is a game that I'm sure not a ton of people watched or even knew that it was on national TV. But it was an all-out offensive showdown in College Park with the Terps taking home a 34-27 victory and improving to 3-0 on the year. Maryland's defense, though, is what brought home that victory, allowing just seven points in the second half. Penalties, though, is definitely something that the Terps need to work on going forward, especially playing Michigan this week in the Big House. SMU played very well as well. You know, Tanner Morgan's fantastic quarterback. That, that, that combined with SMU's weak schedule should put them into contention for a conference title. Now moving on to our Week 4 preview in college football. This is a Thursday night game, West Virginia at Virginia Tech. It's going to be a sellout at Lane Stadium. It's a rivalry game, Thursday night game. First time West Virginia comes into Blackburg into Blacksburg since 2004. West Virginia, though, they've struggled throughout the season with a loss against a very good Kansas team. But, I mean, still, come on. Neil Brown needs a win Thursday, or else he may be looking for a real estate agent. West Virginia's offense under JT Daniels has looked very solid. I mean, even against what is still today a very solid Pitt Panther team, they were still able to put up points and move the ball down the field. West Virginia's defense needs to step up now, or else they can kiss their season goodbye, and Neil Brown can say goodbye to an address in Morgantown. But I really like what Brent, Pye, what Brent Pry has done so far with Virginia Tech. Justin Fuente was good at times, but he failed to recognize the legend that is Frank Beamer and his culture. Pry has been channeling Beamer at press conferences and on the sidelines. Both teams have had disappointing losses in the past with Virginia Tech losing to Old Dominion and West Virginia losing to Kansas. Defense is a problem for both of these teams, and they need to find it if they want continued success. But all being said, in a hostile environment this year, West Virginia has, ha has had the game won and come up short. Plus, Lane Stadium at night is electric. The Virginia Tech players running out to enter Salmon is probably one of the top two college football entrances. I like the Hokies by seven in a close one. Moving on to another ACC matchup. Number five, Clemson at number 19, Wake Forest. For only the second time in a decade, Clemson is a touchdown favorite. The Tigers haven't lost to Wake since 2008. And, and sure, you know what? Wake Forest looked very shaky at times in their win over Liberty. But I do like their Wake, Wake Forest's overall team a whole lot better compared to Clemson's. Clemson's defensive line is very good. You got a lot of first-round draft picks. But their offense lacks talent. DJ Ugalele is, quite frankly, awful. Why Cade Klubnik hasn't started yet, I don't know. Probably because Dabo Sweeney is stubborn and likes to live in the past. But I trust Sam Hartman and the Wake offense over Clemson's defense. Besides, in today's college football, offense, not defense, wins championships. I like the Demon Deacons in the upset by 14. Moving on to the great state of Texas, TCU at SMU. The batter of the iron skillet has a new chapter with Sonny Dykes returning to University Park on the opposite sideline. TCU, so far, they've looked incredibly weak this season. Chandler Morris is not the same quarterback that he was when he lit up Baylor last year. I mean, they struggled in the first half against Colorado. Colorado, guys? Really? The same Colorado team that was down by 24 at a half to a 500 Minnesota team? Look, I like Sonny Dykes a lot, and, then I think, and I think that he was a good hire. But experience is going to win the day in Dallas. SMU, on the other hand, they're more experienced. Yes, they have a new head coach, but he was the offensive coordinator at SMU for two years under Sonny Dykes. I like Tanner Mordecai and his offensive Oklahoma transfers 
and, that, and they should cause too much havoc in what is sure to be a raucous environment and the first sellout in forever on the hilltop. The one advantage that both coaches have, though, in this one is that they're both very familiar with each other's systems. So don't be surprised if this one takes a while to get going, but trust me, it's going to be worth your time. But bottom line, TCU, no chance. Ponies by 12. Now moving on to the Southeastern Conference, number 18, Florida, at number 15, Tennessee. The Gators struggled against UCF. is a bit concerning, but a win is still a win. And Billy Napier's squad looks to be second to Georgia, although nobody can really beat UGA this year, let's be honest. Um, Tennessee has the offensive firepower to put this game away early in, in the second half. Hendon Hooker and Jalen Wright will look to add to what's already been stellar seasons. The defense, well, they're great too. A linebacker Aaron Beasley has a team-high 22 tackles, and Tennessee's defense has eight sacks as a whole. Florida and Anthony Richardson and Billy Napier haven't played on the road yet, and Neyland Stadium will be rocking with 102,000. The ability to communicate with the rest of the offense and make smart plays will be key in this game for the Gators. Their game plan should be boring, but boring enough to potentially win. However, Tennessee looks like the better team on paper, and Napier's road inexperience is concerning. Vols by 10 at home. Now moving on to the Southwest Classic at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Number 10, Arkansas at number 24, Texas A&M. Texas A&M, you know, they rebounded last week with a gritty eight-point win over the U. But Arkansas is, they're faster, they're stronger, and they're bigger than A&M. Arkansas also doesn't have four starters out on defense for this game. Now, don't get me wrong, Texas A&M showed shattered that they still have something left in the tank but I think Arkansas will just be too much to handle in the end. If Texas A&M had their defensive starters back and they had stability at quarterback, then I would feel better about maybe picking the Aggies. But I got Arkansas taking on the Southwest Classic Trophy for the second year in a row. Hogs roll over the Aggies. Now we're moving on to a new segment this week called This Week in NIL, where, where we look at players' NIL deals across the college football landscape. First off, something that... Uh, dry out to me was Florida's offensive line getting a deal from local barbecue joint Sunny's. As part of the deal, the offensive line will make stops at Sunny's barbecue throughout the season. Fun fact, the pitmaster at Sunny's is actually a former Florida All-American Shannon Snell on three NIL rates this deal to be worth $530,000. Here's something you haven't heard of. Yes, the state of Kentucky is famous for horses with the Kentucky Derby, but Kentucky's own Dane Key got an, got an NIL deal with Windstar Farms and even did the commercial with actual horses. Kentucky basketball star Oscar Tabrishi also partners with Windstar Farms to promote their racehorse, Life is Good. On3 NIL has Key rated at $188,000. He's ranked 25th among college football players. You know, something big about Deion Sanders, you know, Coach Prime, you know, he's, he's, he's a brand and he's been able to use his connections at Jackson State. He was able to use his connections also to land five-star wide receiver Travis Hunter. Hunter got himself an NIL deal with the Michael Strahan brand. According to On3NIL, as a first ambassador for Michael Strahan, Hunter will be the face of multiple brand efforts and appear in advertisements across the company's print, digital, and social platforms. In Forbes, Hunter said of the deal, It means a lot. It really inspires me to do more of the things he's doing for his brand and his community. He's really at the top of what he does. He's one of the top people you want to work with, and he can teach you a lot about what he does. Finally, Bryce Young adds to his NIL arsenal with a big, with a big deal by Beats by Dre. Beats by Dre also has NIL agreements with big-name college football stars like USC quarterback Caleb Williams and Jackson State's Shadir Sanders. Last week, Williams gifted teammates with their own set of, of the popular headphones. 
Now, moving on to our last segment of the week, you know, we're going to call this failures of the week, where we look at um, failures either in the media from coaches and press conference and stuff off the field. First off, um, Shane Beamer, after getting schlacked by Georgia and getting embarrassed at home, he fired back at a reporter at his postgame press conference saying, hell no. What kind of question is that, Phil? We're one and two, and we have a bunch of fighters in that room. And give up? That's not a part of this football program. But honestly, I agree with whoever this Phil guy is. Because on Saturday, it did not look like South Carolina had a bunch had a bunch of but on but on Saturday, it did look like South Carolina had a bunch of losers on its squad who did not want to be there. And lastly, uh Troy 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 defensive coordinator Shea Wood allowing App State to score on a Hail Mary to win as time expired. For everyone here on On Campus, I'm Jerry McMahon. Have a great rest of your week and may you soak in all the football games this weekend. <laughs>